Will she let us say that? <laughs> Jillian Michaels. Oh, she can't have that trademarked. No, I guess she can't. Well, okay. Zach. Hi, I'm Sarah. And this is Run How Fast Can You. Alright, so uh, I was thinking that we always do a check-in, and maybe it makes for good listening, maybe it doesn't. It's hard for me to listen to us as an outsider, but um, <laughs> it's really hard, I think, to do check-ins. Like Even when I ask that question at Insight Night, I feel like the, always, the answer is pretty standard, like, I'm bored, you know, I'm miserable, stuff's going on, and like, we want to ask that question because we're trying to get at the heart of like, you know, why are you bored, or, or what does that say, like, what's going on with you spiritually, because even though, like, we can't go outside and hang out with our friends, and so we have this lessened experience of, of external influence, um, mm-hmm. we have a lot that should be going on internally, but I just, I don't, it's really hard to uncover that, and and I think for us to speak deeply and personally, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to a podcast format. Well, then I think maybe the question is, how is your heart? And I know Zach and I... Um, this is almost a little bit of an inside joke because um, Zach and I are very much mm, selective, let's say, about uh, when we use phrases like that. Because I think uh, phrases like that, at some point, you know, were very meaningful and very intentional, um, and then they just kind of got thrown around. Um, and so then, kind of like the phrase "How are you?" Uh, it, it's just something that's said, um, and the response is never really how you actually are. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I think sometimes I really like I like asking people what you know, how's your heart or what's on your heart. But it is it can easily be like a Catholic cliche for you know I want you to just say I'm doing well or you know the spirit is with us. Yeah, God be praised and and yeah. sort of move on passively from that. And yeah, God be praised, but you know it's also okay to to go into some depth. Uh, so then, should I ask you that question? Yeah, I'll answer. Uh, how's my heart? Well, I can ask it. <laughs> how's your heart? <laughs> See, it sounded cliche. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm in. I'm. I'm divided. Uh, definitely by the day. Sometimes, you know, at multiple points during the day. I just. I feel on the one hand that um, things are going well, and in terms of you know surviving pandemics, it was it was pretty easy to sit home and watch uh, Amazon Prime and to not really have to go confront. And you know, we weren't fighting this battle. We weren't. We didn't have to make major sacrifices. I didn't feel like. Um, oh, that's not entirely true. Staying at home when we have all the modern conveniences, to me, isn't a major okay. sacrifice. Okay. Uh, it's it's certainly abnormal. It's certainly a step back from our normal lives. But it, it it was not it was not the same as you know women in World War II who had to go work in factories while their you know brothers and husbands went and fought in Europe. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Totally different level of sacrifice, in my opinion. You're right. You're um, right. But so on the one hand, you know, counting my blessings that it wasn't that bad and that it looks like. Maybe we're we're past the halfway mark. Totally not out of the woods yet, but definitely you know looks like things are are going well. Um, and on the other hand, feeling like I'm just in a period of suffering. Like um, I'm not an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination, but day after day you work from the couch and you never see new people. You never encounter much outside influence and information. 
Um, and it just, I think it weighs on me a little bit. How's your that. heart? <laughs> well, first I want to, you know, almost knock on wood um, and hope that, that what you just said, you know, about not being entirely out of the woods, but maybe, you know, heading, heading, uh, we're on the back half, the back nine. Uh, hopefully this is a famous last words. Okay. Sorry. Ask me. <laughs> <laughs> How's your heart? You know, I probably should have thought of an answer to the question, huh? Um, you know, my heart is good. It, I have, I'm lucky that I have several, I have three very, uh, necessary and important ways that I, uh, can be active and I can sacrifice and I can, um, contribute during all this. Um, and you know, of course one is as a mother, um, and then of course being, you know, youth minister and then also being, um, an art therapist, um, and, and working inpatient. So I think having, having a way to feel, at least feel that I'm contributing, because who knows if I actually am, but at least feeling like I have a way that I'm contributing, that I have objectives, I have, um, I have a rhythm to the week. I, you know, I, in the beat, when this all started, I thought it would be impossible, uh, to make a rhythm with two jobs and an infant. Um, but we have, and I think we've got a pretty good one working, or at least it works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's good. Um, plotting out a rhythm to my week, uh, I think is, is really helpful. So I kind of, I kind of know, and you know, it's still hard. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly, uh, tired, but at the same time, I, I really, uh, I really been able to enjoy and kind of rejoice in the few bright sides in, in such a horrible situation. And that is, you know, uh, because we've been working from home, we got to see our son walk. I'm sorry, walk. Whoa, whoa. Uh, we got to see our son crawl for the first time. I got to be here. Well, actually, I was in the other room, but you heard him say mama for the first time. Um, we got to see him pull himself up and, and stand, you know, using our, our little, like, uh, using the furniture. So I think those those things um, that are really precious and, and so many parents go without, and I was prepared to go without, I, I think those are kind of uh, holding me up a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. I think when I look back on this time, those moments will hold me up more. But in the moment, they they don't seem as strong as they will in memory, I think. Say more about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I To me, you know, I, I am very much struggling with the daily grind. And yeah. having, having a schedule, having a rhythm is really nice. But it's still, you know, every morning I wake up and by the time... Sarah's up with Elijah all night, and so I have him for, like, an hour or two in the morning. But by the time Sarah wakes up, I'm already, like, dreading, like, okay, it's another day, doing work, and then there's just not much not much change to the day, which makes it difficult. But, yeah, I think in, I think in hindsight, I'm going to really remember some of the things that we were blessed to see uh, being home together and some of the ways that Sarah and I were uh, able to grow closer as we sort of coped with this pandemic, too. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, at least my answer hinges on something else I wanted to talk about. A couple weeks ago, Pope Francis held a vigil. Like it was basically Eucharistic adoration with himself, um, but he <laughs> but he held it in in St. Peter's Square, and it was for the world. And he um, basically gave benediction to the world. He gave what's called a the Urbi et Orbi blessing, which is to the the city of Rome and to the world. And it sounds really cool in Latin. It sounds like r- Ubi sububi. What? It's Urbi et Orbi. I know, I know, but it's another Latin phrase that I learned in high school. Ubi sububi. What does that mean? It, that was the sewers. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the city under the city. I got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
weird things to remember. Um, <laughs> Kalia est always go ahead. <laughs> in partes tres. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pope Francis talked about um, how this time of, of quarantine or shelter in place uh, highlights for us the things that anesthetize us and how we can basically avoid caring deeply or, or avoid looking at ourselves by being stuck in the stream of, of visiting our friends and um, work, you know, throwing ourselves into work. Um, and just that thought of, of anesthesia, of, of all the things that we use to dull our senses and allow us to survive life rather than live it really struck me. And it's something that I've been thinking about for the last, you know, couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is something that, that and, and I wanted to say I, but the truth is, is we both um, have been kind of thinking about uh, for a long time. Um, you know, in, in my in my other life as a counselor, this is something that I have to keep a, a close eye on for others, but also for myself, because there's a real and present danger there. I think in, in far more ways than there ever was before, um, because I don't know, think about it. If it's 1830 and you live on a farm in, say, rural Ohio, what do you've got to distract yourself from, you know, God calling you or uh, an issue, something you're called to change within yourself or an issue within your marriage and your 15 kids because it's 1830. I'm kidding. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like, okay, there was work, but at some point the sun went down. You didn't have streetlights. I have, I have a great quote about that because I think, I think we're, it's really easy to venture into this sort of presentism, I think, where we highlight how hard or how easy things are now versus the past. And uh, I think there's, and danger might be too strong, but I think there's uh, an error there that's easy to fall into. So this is a a longish quote by C.S. Lewis that I think touches on some of the points we're going to do too. In one way, we think of a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. I'm going to pause right here. He was talking about the atomic era, but this quote's been thrown around a lot for our era about how, how similar the thought is. In one way, we think a great deal of too much of the atomic bomb, How are we to live in an atomic age, I am tempted to reply. Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are currently, living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. Mm. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, You and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances, and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty." This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, irony, but they need not dominate our minds. Ooh. Yeah, I like the the dominate our minds part because I think uh, part of the problem with what's been recommended to us to do, you know, stay home and watch Netflix, uh, and even part of the problem with Pope Francis's, you know, saying that this exposed our our anesthesia as if we uh, were drawn back from it, you know, as you know, how do I say that? 
Um, as poison is drawn from a yeah, wound. Po- no, it's poison. No, no, no. Oh. Um, as if the pandemic pointed out the anesthesias that we were living with, and now we had to sort of live without it and deal with that pain more acutely. I think the opposite might even be true. Mm. Um, I think some of the recommendations and some of the reality is we've more deeply anesthetized ourselves. You know, we've thrown ourselves into... Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger King and Netflix binging. And um, I see all sorts of posts about how we've thrown ourselves, you know, into cooking, but really just, like, binge eating, essentially. Um, mm. Or oversleeping or, you know... Um, pajamas. Pajamas all day. And and it's totally understandable, but I also think they're trying... To, we're trying to dull ourselves from the reality of, like... Like, this is scary, it's allowed to be scary, but it doesn't, it shouldn't stop us from living very human lives and having human interaction. I like that thought, and I like that, uh, his sentiment, this is C.S. Lewis, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like C.S. Lewis's sentiment, it's very British, Mm -hmm. at the end of, you know, when the bomb comes, let it find us doing something, you know, of meaning, or, and I think... I think there's a really important point in here, and that is tolerate. I think Amy Acton talks about this, tolerating the ambiguity, tolerating uh, the the feeling of uncomfortable. Zach always laughs, um, but I have this Jillian Michaels video, this one Jillian Michaels video that I bought um, years ago and is the one workout video I do. I haven't done it since I had the baby, but whoops. But there's this one line that she always says that I always like, and, and you scoff at, and that is be comfortable with being uncomfortable (laughs) to be fair i scoff at it because it's from a pseudo yoga video not because the quote itself but go on yeah right exactly um but i think i always like that um because i think very much this is in our faces in a way that it wasn't before at least in our lifetimes we really have to it's not just about getting through um but i think in order to really get through this um I almost want to say to the point of with our soul intact, but maybe I mean uh, getting through this with some some meaning. I don't know. You pick. I think we do have to not only just push through and, you know, waste away our days in pajamas, eating ice cream and watching Netflix and Tiger King, but rather facing facing that uh, the uncomfortableness of the situation. What and whatever that is, whether it's fear, anxiety, um, anger, uh, you know, what boredom, I don't know, but I think that's really important. Yeah, actually, I think you may have highlighted like the philosophical problem of our age, and maybe that's really what Pope Francis was talking about when he was talking about anesthesia. Is we really go from fleeting experience to fleeting experience, and we we have this sense that we're supposed to create meaning for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and so we find all way all sorts of ways to create meanings. We we create personas for ourselves. We decide. I always use the like '80s high school stereotypes, like from Breakfast Club, which no one has thought about since '94. Um, I think about them on a daily basis. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, like big picture. I always go like the jocks, and kids look at me like, "What are you talking about?" Like, okay, whatever, guys. They know goths. They understand um, goth kids and emo Long kids. Long may they live. Emo kids, but um, uh, not the emo kids. <laughs> anyway, you know, we we create these personas for ourselves, or we put on masks of who we we want to be or who we think we are, um, and we we project outwards to people what we want them to see of us. And it's really, I mean, it's really pernicious when you think about how much we curate our lives on on Instagram or how much we curate our lives on TikTok. Um, we try to we try to project this outward image of ourselves, and when you're confronted with you know a real enemy, and I don't really like calling a virus an enemy. I think that's a weird problem but maybe we'll come back to that Um, but when you're confronted with a weird issue like this that's real you only have two honest options and that is to run from it which is what i think a lot of people are doing and what a lot of people are being encouraged to do and and hide yourself in tiger king and you know come out of it 
you know, 10 pounds heavier and have no meaning because, you know, these things don't have meanings in a secular age, or you confront it and then you can, you can find lots of meaning that you wouldn't otherwise create meaning like sacrifice for your family, sacrifice for others, um, honest humility, love for your family. I mean, lots of things. Facing yourself. Yeah. Facing yourself. I think we call them our inner demons. And I think that's overplaying it a little bit, you know, having honest reality of like, we're not okay. It's okay. You know, we're sad sometimes. We're angry. We're, you know, we learned that we're an extrovert who really, really needs to thrive on being around other people and having to confront those things rather than just ignore them. I think that's uh, a huge opportunity and also a huge challenge that's been presented to us. I, I want to touch touch on one of the words you said, um, and that is curate. When I first, I mean, not when I first heard that word, but I'd say the first period of my life where I heard that word thrown around um, you know, with any regularity, it was when I was in art school. And obviously that meant something very specific, very different. But in the last mm, two, three years, I've started to hear curate for a whole ton of different things. And at first I was like, oh, that's a really interesting use of that word. Honestly, I think the first time I heard it, this is, this is uh, revealing about our lives. I think it was about cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about like, you know, we're going to curate uh you know these this cheese board or whatever and i was like oh that sounds really good (laughs) (laughs) curating a cheese board is like when people say they want to architect their lives like that doesn't really mean what you want it to mean but go for it right but i'm sure you can find it um but anyway going back to what i was saying is now all of a sudden though everything has to be curated your playlists have to be curated your your netflix watch list has to be curated your clothes uh your coffees you know, it's it's no longer, and I'm... Your kids' lives or your life, you know, your parents curating your life or... Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and it's no longer, you, so then it's, at first I thought like, well, you know, again, going back to, to that word intentional, maybe it's about being more intentional, you know, especially with coffee, um, which I certainly have a problem, and that's definitely what I have turned to in this, <laughs> during this crisis. Um, you know, it... it I thought maybe it's good a good thing you're not drinking the slop that you know has just been boiled over and sitting for six hours at a gas station. You know maybe you're picking something that's um, you know ethically sourced or better for you or tastes better or whatever it is. Um, it was more natural. Blah 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 blah. But now I think it's 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 gone beyond that. It's kind of uh, jump the shark, right? Is that the term? Yeah. Jump the shark. Thank you. Um, I think it's now that we cannot tolerate, we have to have everything clean, squeaky clean and safe. And, and, and furthermore, it has to be within my bubble of my preferences, um, within things that apply to me. Um, and I think that's pretty dangerous. I'm with you and I'm not with you. I, I guess I... That sounds about right. <laughs> that's about our whole lives. Yeah. Um, I'm always worried about attacking that curating notion too hard because... I think it's, I feel like it's easy for me to sit as someone who is closer to adulthood or, or, uh, older young adult. I don't know what life stage Elder I'm in. Elder millennial. Okay. I don't know what life stage I'm even in anymore, but I, I, I know that I'm essentially a different generation than like current high schoolers and younger, you know, college kids, um, today. And so I feel, I feel almost bad saying like curating is perfectly bad. Like, well, we've been taught, you know, for a while now to curate your life. Um, you know, you have to do things like uh, have a sport and an instrument and community service and leadership because your life is about your college resume. Because if you don't get into a good college, your life will be ruined. And so 
when I feel like we talk about curating your life, we almost sound like we're attacking everything that teenagers today, young adults today have been taught, you know, how they've been taught to live their lives. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that's really what we're attacking. I think the reality is we're attacking the notion of why we have to curate, you know, why we feel with the need to do that. And it's because, um, what we're, you know, we're striving for meaning. I know that seems maybe that, like that's a leap, but you know, we're striving to, to have meaning in our lives and we don't have meaning in the old ways. You know, I, this is a very Christian sense, but I'm going to apply it to Norse, you know, they, things, you know, if rain came, it was the gods. If someone died, it was the gods. Um, you know, everything sort of had meaning because they assumed that gods, the gods or God was directly in charge. We've lost that sense. And so now we have to find meaning however we can. So we find meaning in our jobs. We find meaning in our spouses. We find meaning in, you know, whatever leadership positions and titles we can acquire. And that's, it's a dangerous game to play because you can feel really good to acquire a title, but it also, it's very limited. Um, you know, like even something like getting a degree, like college degrees are a good thing. A lot of you are going to get them. A lot of us got them. Um, not all of us need them, but again, that's another podcast too. Um, <laughs> but that's sort of a fleeting experience. You know how, you know how often someone asks me about my ACT score or my college graduation? Never. No one ever asks me those things. They were super important to me at the time that they came up, but then I got a job and I got a job in a field that, you know, doesn't particularly care how well I did in college. I did pretty well for the record, but they don't particularly care how well I did in college. Uh, and so if I had, if I had derived a good portion of my, my meaning from that, uh, I'd be in a really bad place right now because that meaning was really, really fleeting. So two things. Um, the first, just, you know, really quick is I think what I'm, what I'm kind of going after and I don't even want to say attack, but what I'm going after um, as far as, you know, the word curating is I think the word curating has come to mean instead of being very mindful, um, very selective, um, very intentional about, you know, what we're doing, what we're viewing, what we're eating or whatever. I think now it's come to mean everything you do, everything you come in contact with has to have some connection to you, has to have some um, is some shade of your preferences just like, you know, your Facebook feed, you know, there's the whole scandal in 2016 um, about, you know, how everything, everything you see, Facebook. Oh, the algorithm. You, yeah, pegged you as, as red or blue. And then everything you saw was was within that worldview or within that, that schema. Um, well, hold on, can I pause you? First of all, 2016 is ancient history, sadly. That's true. Um, and, and my other thing is, I, I'm just giving a disclaimer about why. Um, I'm careful about attacking curating. I think as soon as we started using the word curate to talk about people's lives and not cheese boards, we entered dangerous territory. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I can agree with you on that. And so going back to, uh, to what you said previously in, in my second point is I, I really think you kind of set the stage for the other thing we wanted to talk about. And that is our exit plan uh, in all of this. Uh, we are uh, very devoted listeners to the uh, coronavirus updates every day uh, from from Governor Mike DeWine. And uh, one of the things we noticed in the last week is that, you know, before it was very much gear up, gear up, batten down the hatches, you know, um, this is coming, it's it's going to, you know, peak is coming, da, da, da. And now all of a sudden the, the talk has turned to what what are things going to be like on the other side? How are we going to, you know, how are we slowly going to emerge from this? What's it, what is it going to look like? Blah, 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 blah. And I think that that pretty, that's pretty evident that illustrates the situation. So I think we're, we're finally, I don't, you know, again, 
I want, I'm almost, I almost am afraid to say it, but you know, it's possible we are either heading towards or, you know, might be on the back nine of this. Um, and so we do have to start thinking about what are our lives going to be like, uh, after all this is not, maybe not over, but after at least the circumstances aren't as dire. Yeah. Because part of the reality is, and this is something I didn't think about until this week, once we once we get out of the shelter in place order, the stay at home order, and once we um, are out of the sort of thick of the woods of the coronavirus, it's not going to instantly snap back to normal. It, it's not. There's going to be changes. Um, there's going to be precautions still in place. And so, to me, that's I mean that's a scary reality because I I have in my mind that I'm just going to get to go to a restaurant the first Friday after this the ban is lifted. And that might not be true. You know, restaurants might be closed, or even if they're open, they might have limitations placed on them. Schools may or may not ever get back in session this year. Professional sports may have limitations. So, like, that's what you're really upset about. No, I'm not. I, I love baseball, but I'm not upset about not being able to attend in person yet. I might be by midsummer. We'll see. But I think when we talk exit strategy, what we're sort of thinking of starting to think about mm-hmm. um, for for our jobs at Holy Spirit and at uh, St. Raphael's. And even just in our family lives is like, what do we, what do we do once we get out of this? Once, once we're no longer working from home every day, what precautions do we have to take and what lessons do we want to make sure we carry on, uh, that we sort of learned and developed in this, this couple months. Yeah. And so, you know, I think one way in which we have to think about that, we all are, of course, we're all thinking about the physical, you know, um, I think we're going to start seeing people wearing masks. We already have, but I think it is going to be the new normal in our culture to wear masks um, in public, kind of like you, you know, you see in, in Asian countries. Honestly, I think that's a good idea. We should have been doing that for a long time. B, we're going to see stuff like that. We're going to see people hand washing more, social distancing, blah, 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 blah. And that's all well and good. We're, you know, we're practicing that ourselves. But I think a way in which, a way in which, something we need to think about that we're not going to give much thought and energy to um, is how we need to protect ourselves spiritually um, and maybe how we need to protect the, uh, the things we've gained from all this um, and keep them from, from getting kind of uh, toppled over. Uh, so there's an article I, uh, I read recently. It's been shared. I know Facebook is, is old. I'm old then. And the title of the article is Prepare for the Ultimate Gaslighting. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not... Gaslighting for me is a very loaded term because unfortunately it's been thrown around for a lot more than I think it really means sometimes. sometimes. Um, Give me your definition real quick just for people who don't know on the podcast. For the people in the back. Um, what gaslighting is is um, it's, it's a way of manipulation. Um, basically what someone is trying to do if they're gaslighting, they're trying to get you to, they're denying a, an objective reality um, and trying to instead get you to buy into their uh, reality or their version of it. And of course, it's always uh, to serve their ends. So basically, the whole point of this article is, um, you know, what's going to happen is all these, all, these country, all these companies, sorry, not countries, all these are going to launch this major ad campaign and they're going to want to kind of uh, lure you back into the way things were pre-quarantine. And so, you know, that's going to be like, hey, you know, buy this, buy that, live this way. You know, it's fine. You know, we didn't just have this big um, life-changing uh, situation that took months. It's fine. You jump back in. Buy, 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 consume, 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 numb, numb out. And so the article is rather long, and I'm not going to quote too much from it. 
Um, but basically at the end, honestly, to be quite honest, when I opened it up, um, I closed it. I like read three lines and closed it because I was like, ugh, you know, this is just more internet glut. Um, but when I went back to it the second time, what I liked, I, I, I'm bringing this up because it ends with, do we really want to go back to our lives the way they were, exactly the way they were before all of this went down? Do we really want to be going that fast? Do we really want to be juggling all these things? And I think, Zach, this goes back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, we're taught to, you got to get into a college, so you better, uh, you know, be on uh, student council, and you better play two sports, and you better be in drama club, and then you better do this, you know, whatever, sport on the side. I think the question becomes, or the question being asked is, uh, do we want this to just be a two-month break in the action and then going right back to our quote-unquote real life? Um, or do we want to? Do we want this to mean something? Do we want this to have been real and to incorporate what we've picked up and what we've given up um, into part of our, our post-coronavirus or our post-shelter-in-place lives? Um, I'm definitely in the second camp of I think we should, we should take some lessons from it. Um, but I guess I'm just starting the process of figuring out like what that should be, uh, because I am I am legitimately nervous uh, for the world and and especially for the church and for families that we're gonna we're gonna go back to our our old normal and we're gonna not uh, have learned anything. We're gonna we're gonna not have changed at all because of this, and I think that would be really unfortunate. Yeah, and I I think that goes again back to that word curate. Because again, I think the word curate has come to mean you having control over every little molecule of your life, over every little circumstance. Um, I only want to hear the music that I'm interested in. I only want to engage with articles I'm interested in. I only want to see pictures that I'm interested in or that apply to me. Um, And that is a very egocentric way of doing things. That is a way of doing things that buys into the, the... Uh, delusion I think we all suffered under before all this happened and that was that we control the universe but I think you know the one good thing that may have come out of this or is coming out of this is the coronavirus smashed that notion and we talked about that on on another episode a little bit but I think you know kind of what you're talking about uh, what's staring us in the face is a way of life where we have to realize that we are not in control nor do we have nor should we demand uh, that we get that every little molecule of our lives, every little circumstance should be tailored to us. Um, rather, it's more about shifting our, our way of thinking in, in, into one of where God is in control and where God may be calling us to do something, to go out rather than just to give so we can consume, consume, consume. You're saying a good and a true thing that is really, really big picture. I think there's a reality that we need to get out of our own ways a little more and let God be in control. Um, but I think we also need to address like specific lessons that we picked up during this time or specific things that we have figured out we need to change in ourselves uh, and, in, and in the world too, not just in ourselves personally. I think that's part of the issue is it's, it's not just a personal journey. It's also, uh, you know, it's collective. It involves our families and our, our churches and our schools. Um, so one of the things for me that came to mind is how we, how we do church or how we are the church. It's something we talked about before and I don't want to, you know, harp on it too hard, but I think I think a lot of what we set up is that the church is stuff that we do. You know, we do service, we go to mass, we participate in a Bible study or a youth group or whatever. And, and the reality is, the church is something that we are. You know, we are Christians. We are the church. Church isn't just something that we do; it's something that we should have in ourselves. 
And because we've had to do it for a couple of months, I hope that something that part of our exit strategy for this is to care more about you know personal prayer and and not just personal prayer, me and Jesus, which is important, uh, but right. personal prayer, me and my friends and Jesus, me and my family and Jesus, me and my you know my classmates and and Jesus. I think I think there's something important to recognize that we can be or not even we can be, but we are. Uh, and we should be spiritually aware people, even when we're not sitting in the pews on Sunday. Even when we can start sitting in them again after we're done with this, that we keep a sense of of prayer and spirituality in our homes, too. I think that was a good that was available to us in this time. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And I think another thing we need to think about, um, you know, as we look towards recovering from the situation, is we all talk about, you know, we're so busy um, you know, the, the daily race, the, the rat race, my dad calls it all the time. What are we racing towards? Um, what, what are we putting all this energy? And, and I'm asking this to myself, too. You know, why are we running around literally like chickens with our heads cut off? In the end, what is our goal? Is it, is it becoming who we we're made to be? Is that what we're put our, putting our energy towards? Or is it to look good on paper for some theoretical boss in, in some future or um, to look good to the people next door, or you know what I mean, to, all right, let me, I guess maybe I should bring it to the 21st century, to look good on Instagram. Well, and I don't, I want to, I don't want to limit us to those options. I think the question itself is a really good one that we should leave alone is, is what are we, what are we running towards? I think there, I think that answer might be different for all of us, honestly. Um, but it's a really good question. You know, we, we feel compelled to do lots of things. And we've even set up society in that way. Um, the fact that fast food is the thing. I mean, I love me a good Arby's roast beef. Um, but the fact that fast food is, is a norm for so many people and families because we're just go, go, go. Like, what are we going for? You know, and being able to answer that question for yourself and knowing. Uh, I feel like I've asked that question so many times in the course of my ministry of, you know, uh, what's the purpose of your life or, or what are you, how do you make decisions? Questions like that, like real, uh, important questions of the heart. And I think a lot of times we don't know. I think we just do because we've been told to do, or we do because we feel we should, or because everyone else does, uh, a whole number of personal reasons. But the reality is none of those reasons ever answer for us the question of, of what are we running for? What are we running to? I think that's a really good question that this, this couple of months apart, maybe, maybe put us in contact with that question. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, again, one of the good things that, that I think is, is coming out of this situation is that it dismantled uh, the treadmill, essentially, because I think um, maybe some of us, and myself included, um, were kind of running on that treadmill like, oh, well, this is just what they tell me to do. This is just what I'm supposed to do. This is the right thing. I'm doing good in school, or I'm doing good for my job, or I'm doing good for my family, and on and on and on. And so I think the last thing... Uh, we need to kind of have in our in our windshield uh, as we start to talk about recovery. And again, it's against this idea, uh, or at least the, the present idea of curating, is instead of wanting things to come to us, instead of wanting things to always apply to us, um, instead of having this mindset of consuming, um, we, need to, we need to change our mindset to um, what are we called to do um, in every moment? What's, what is the next right thing? Um, I think that's that's a, a major change in in schema, you know, in mindset. Um, I do think that might be uh, one of the biggest problems in our present age is um, we didn't we probably didn't intend to be, but we are we're just we're consumers. 
Um, the internet has made everything available at our fingertips where you can buy things on Amazon and watch whatever you want. Um, even when, when Sarah and I were kids, which, you know, we keep talking like we're 90 years old. We're really not. Um, I don't know. I feel like it some days. You had to watch what was available on TV. And, like, it was a big deal if you had, like, the extra cable channels so you could watch cartoons all the time and not just during the day because then Nick at Night came on. Like, uh, as we've become more advanced, we've, we've sort of really enforced these notions of being a consumer and it's not good for us. It really, it really hurts. I hurts us. I think um, that we can't, we can't discover things. We have to, we have to find them for ourselves. And that's what I think Sarah's on about with the curating point. It's really good. Um, is we want to make everything fit our preconceived notions and what we like and what we want, uh, and then we never have to confront discomfort. We never have to confront ideas that are different to us. And uh, I think that's that's really dangerous. You never dangerous. have to confront feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think changing our mindset kind of changes our fundamental question um, that we need to ask ourselves every day and answers another question. The, it changes the question to what do I, from what do I want to what am I called to do? Uh, where am I called to be? Who am I called to be? Um, you know, God, what do you want me to do? Um, and then that answer in 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 asking that question we ask we answer the other question we talked about earlier and that is what are we driving for what are we on the treadmill for what are we putting all this energy into um and the answer is the next right thing whatever that is well how do we find what that is you shut up (laughs) that's that's when you go back to prayer um and it, it takes a lot of humility um and and you know restraint uh particularly given given the way our world is but I think working in that way, um, being in that space every day, living in that space every day, um, we will be more humble. You know, one of the things I've noticed as I, as I get older, since I've become an adult, is I tend to get really annoyed in traffic. I get really annoyed um, when somebody pulls in front of me and isn't as going as fast as I want, or, you know, I, was, I had just enough time and now I'm going to be two minutes late, all thanks to you, you know, whoever you are in the, the green Chevy, why did you buy a Chevy, on and on and on. And I think that you and I have talked about this. Um, it's certainly not something I'm proud of, um, but I think that is very much rooted in this idea of, well, I curated my day and I deemed it, I deemed it so, I oathed it, uh, that my day would consist of me leaving my house uh, as late as I possibly could while still getting to where I need to go on time. And I decided that there should be no interruptions or no uh, nobody else <laughs> needing to also get somewhere um, that would slow me down. And I said it, and so this is the way it should be, and I am utterly disappointed, borderline, um, well, actually not borderline, offended, borderline uh, righteously indignant when someone... Um, who maybe is older or who maybe is learning how to drive, how dare they get on my get in my way on Lake Road or on 90 or whatever it is? How dare you? Um, when you flip that situation on its head, if I'm asking the question, what is God calling me to do today? Um, I may still leave, you know, at, at the last, not the last minute, but in the last possible moment um, that'll allow me to be on time. But halfway down 90, halfway down Lake Road, if there is someone who maybe is struggling to drive or it's their first time doing it or whatever the case may be, 
If I'm asking what am I called to do, the answer is pretty simple in that moment. I'm called not to write up on that person or, you know, give them, I don't do terrible things, but I definitely give them a nice glare. Um, I'm called to be charitable to that person because I was, I was, I was that person um, who was learning how to drive or, you know, I will one day be that person um, who I can't drive as fast as I used to. I think uh, since we're on this time of, of, you know, the treadmill having been broken, it's a good time to look at um, things like that in our lives. I mean, for me, uh, one of my, my anesthesias, um, that sounds so weird to say over and over, but uh, one of my anesthesias is that I always like like background noise on. So when I'm uh, cooking dinner, I have the TV on, or when I'm uh, eating dinner or whatever. And I'm not I'm not really good about just being in the quiet or putting you know putting music on and interacting with people. Um, and that's you know it's hard because now that I'm home all the time, I want that noise even more. Mm-hmm. But it's something I have to I have to confront in myself going forward. Is you know that's not something that brings life to me. That's not something that helps me to be the person that I want to be. And so I have to learn... The person that you were made to the be. The person that I was made to be. Um, so it's it's something that I have to confront going forward of, you know, if, it, if it's not helping me on the path to holiness, if it's not making me a better person, then why am I doing it? Um, and I think that's true for uh, internet addictions. I think that's true for chemical addictions. Uh, and obviously those are uh, something harder and more real to confront. That's not something you just decide well it's not the same type of thing where you just decide to drop it and it's done Mm -hmm. um but i think we have all sorts of of things that we we numb ourselves with i mean every day and they're not helpful to us and they're not making us be the people we're called to be so part of our exit strategy is how do we drop them or if we've if we've confronted them in this time how do we not go back to our old ways yeah, and one of the things you made me think about um, in, in what you just said is, you know, in the noise, um, I think something that we've also been guilty of doing, and, you know, again, this is you and I both, <laughs> I think we, we're all guilty of uh, letting the things we consume define us to the point where we don't know who we are if we don't have the noise. We don't know who we are if we can't go out and be seen at this restaurant or buying this stuff, whatever. Um I think I think this pause is a is a great opportunity. Hopefully, it has been uh, for us again to ask the question: Who are we made? Who who are we, God? Who do you want us to be? Who did you make us to be? Who are you calling us to be? Yeah, and and it's particularly scary. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, um, speaking in the person of of a devil of a demon, says, you know, feed feed every feed your subject, feed human beings this steady stream of noise, you know, keep them attentive to politics, keep them attentive to the television, like basically keep them attentive to everything that seems immediate, but is so unimportant. Um, and that is, I mean, exactly what Pope Francis is talking about with anesthesia, exactly what uh, Sarah's article is talking about is uh, we're being fed this steady, steady stream of noise of, of everything is important. Everything is, is immediate. Everything is in your face. Um, and it's preventing us from caring about what's really important, things like family, <laughs> things like God and your faith, uh, things like reading a good book and doing things, going for a walk in the woods that make you, you know, more human. Things like being comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Uh, so I think that's that's a good place to kind of bring it bring it around to a close. Mm-hmm. I was totally gonna let you land on things on the phrase uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable and fade us out. 
so bringing this around, I think what we need to, to be thinking about as we, we move towards recovery is when all of this ends or when all of this is lifted enough that, that we do have the opportunity to, to be tempted to go back to the way things were before, uh, should we really take all our energy and, and put it towards building back up the bubble we had before all this started? I think for, for quite a few of us, that answer is no. And so then the next thing we need to ask ourselves, and this is, you know, for Zach and I as well, um, then what is the next right thing? What is, what is the next right thing we're called to, to do? Um, and, and really shifting that mindset from, you know, I deserve to curate, I deserve to consume, I, can serve, I, I deserve to have. Um, changing that from, from that mindset to what am, I, what am I being asked to do? What am I being drawn towards? Um, so in the end, um, I, I hope that maybe we all gain a little bit of a tolerance for being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Run, how fast can you? <laughs>